It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 500. That's 500 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. As always, thanks so much for listening. First things first, of course, I have to apologize for my voice. I had oral surgery that my voice still has not recovered from, and so I sound a little different than I wanted to be in this episode, which is a landmark one, but the show must go on. So I thought the best way to celebrate this milestone was to go ahead and have a great doubleheader. First up is a brand new guest here at the podcast, Ray Anthony Height. He's doing on Zoop.gg a comic called Corner Man, and it's described this way. Superpowers don't come with fight training. That's where Jason Drexler comes in. As the world's greatest fighter, Drex mastered thousands of martial arts as well as the strategy needed to fell any opponent. With no interest in being a superhero himself, he became the government's go-to for training their superpowered heroes how to throw a punch properly. For years now, Drex has been semi-retired, training Saudi princesses and eccentric actresses. But now they need him to hang up his training mitts and go into the field for the first time to mount a rescue mission single-handedly. It's a great book, and it's right now going to be going on until the 29th of this month. But don't wait until then, as I always like to say. Be sure to get in there and support it. We talk about diversity in comics and how he's doing something that I greatly admire. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. Then everything wraps up with the return of Braden Cox, who has a new book called Sever being done on Kickstarter. And it's described this way. The story of Sever follows Chloe Williams, otherwise known as Ellipsis, who is an aspiring metal musician finishing up her last year of high school. She plays in a band with a misfit group of friends. And the story goes on from there. We talk about what Braden's been up to and how the Kickstarter is doing. This Kickstarter is going to end on October 2, a Saturday, at 5.04 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Just like with the previous one, don't wait until that time to try to get in on this great book. Be sure to do it right now and enjoy the storytelling he's gotten in mind. We catch up with other things he's got going as well, so I'm sure you're also going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode. A special one for sure. So let's get on with the show. Corner man! Corner man! Corner man! Corner man! Put up your guard! Backyard and yard! It's great to welcome to the podcast Ray Anthony Height from Corner Man, which is on Zoop.gg right now, and they've got a, a, a great program going on. I don't know what we call it a project or what we call it, but uh, I have already backed it. I put my my money in, and as we're talking, you've already got over fifty supporters. Oh, that's great! And I think Ray, that's a, a testament to your stuff. Of course, you and your your cohort in there are are pretty well known, I think, in the comics community. You've done Star Wars, I think, if I'm not yep. mistaken. 
and you've done gosh what what haven't you done that's the, <laughs> the question Wayne there is such a lot there's so many things i haven't done but i'm going to i'm going to work down that list for sure <laughs> okay your your partner in editorial consults is uh, chris robinson yes and uh so well a, a couple of things i want to do uh, 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 i want to talk about uh, I, you did an interview with Jordan, for, who was the head of the site, or one of the heads of the site. And in that thing, you described what a corner man is, which was something I didn't know until I heard that interview. Can you describe to people what a corner man is? Well, if anyone's ever seen uh, any of the Rocky movies, um, so in the first, first, I want to say one through three, the character, his trainer Mick, is was his corner man. So that was Rocky Balboa's corner man. He's a guy that's in the corner who's usually your trainer uh, or one of who is uh, kind of, you know, reminding you, you know, hey, these are your techniques. You got to watch out for this and you got to you're doing great. Uh, you know, he's your coach. He's your he's your man in the corner. So when you go back to sit down in the ring, he's the guy that is uh, cheering you on, telling you what to work on and getting you ready for that next round. Okay. Look out for his left or yeah, like exactly. That. Those kinds of things. Let me just because I think it adds a little bit to it. There's a description on Zoop.gg, and I always say that because there are other Zoops besides the .gg, and I want to make sure people get to the right place. It says when the world's superheroes are captured, who do you send to rescue them? The man that trained them all, Coach Jason Drexler, is dragged out of retirement and into the spotlight to show there's no substitute for skill. He taught them all everything they know. Not everything he knows. This 32-page issue number one is the first appearance of the new baddest man in comics and beyond. I like that. That's a great description. <laughs> it's good stuff for that. So um, I, I'm kind of interested because he taught uh, – uh, he teaches heroes. And I assume because we're in the Corner Man universe, you're going to introduce other heroes for us to, to meet. Oh yeah, we're, he, there's a whole universe. Well, I want to say a whole universe, but there's in in the world of Corner Man, there are definitely uh, a certain group of, of heroes uh, in there. It's not as let's say as vast uh, and as rich with superheroes as the Marvel and DC universe, but you know, Chris uh, Robinson and I, um, we're really trying to craft something that gives you the sense of what uh, to expect. You know, the 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 world in a way that gives you an idea of, of um, you know, where Jason Drexler is uh, coming from, you mm -hmm. know, what he's dealing with and, and the people uh, around him in his world. One of the things I really appreciate, and anybody who listens to this podcast know I am big on this. I'm so grateful that, uh, you know, the main character is a man of color. Uh, and I'm also really grateful that you're not just stuffing him into an existing costume. I get so mad about Miles Morales being turned into a Spider-Man. And it, it just drives me crazy. That just feels like a lazy way to, to do superhero storytelling when it comes to diversity. So many characters, I think, are so great when they're developed on their own and you do world building. And that's something that you're doing here quite a lot. And I think it's really something special. And I think the character as well as the story are going to be something that we really are going to treasure because of that. So I would just want to congratulate you on making that happen because 
that just doesn't happen very often. And so that's, it's great when I see it and I just have to say, you've done a good job with that. Well, thank you so much, Wayne. I mean, that's really where we're coming from with it. We uh, actually just want to sell something from a different point of view. That's where all these new stories come from, right? There are things that we're trying to do um, that's just different. You know, uh, here's the thing. Most of these characters, they get their superpowers and they might fumble a little bit in the beginning or they train themselves. And that requires a little bit of uh, know-how of what you're getting. Um, you know, but in most cases, you don't know how to throw a punch. If you're a 90-pound weakling getting bullied every day, and then all of a sudden you get spider powers, it doesn't necessarily mean you know how to fight. You're just a guy with powers who doesn't know how to throw a punch. And it takes a lot. Like you're, in, in a lot of cases, you know, there's a lot of fighting villains, um, you know, some type of opposition. You know, superheroes do more than that. You know, they, they save lives. They, you know, hold up burning buildings and things that don't have combatants. But uh, anybody who's read any superhero stories long enough knows that there are uh, physical battles involved. So who trains these, these heroes to do that? Some people already uh, come with the, the training. You know, if someone's in the military... Um, for a long period of time, they have a certain level of training. Uh, you know, they may not be experts in the martial art per se, but they have some combat skills. And then others who, uh, you know, let's, let's take uh, Shang-Chi. His whole thing is combat. His whole thing is martial arts. So, you know, that's built into who he is and what he is. And same thing with Iron Fist. But, um, you know, when we talk about somebody like Batman, uh, you know, DC does a great job of showing who Batman's mentors and 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 uh, and senseis were, and I love that journey because you have to think just how amazing are these people who trained the Batman, who is supposedly unbeatable, you know, a tactician. So we're telling their story. We're telling the story of uh, of of Mick in the corner in his prime, and and. and before he meets Rocky, you know, there are heroes in this universe and now there are apparently going to be bad guys too. What was it like to develop both the heroes and the bad guys in the corner man universe? Well, with, um, the heroes, since our, our main protagonists are, are Jason Drexler, uh, his sister, Andrea, uh, agent Bozon. Um, you know, there, there are main three uh, that we're going to begin this journey with. The there is a big bad. There's a there is a a bad guy, but he has minions, and those characters um, they're kind of fun because we kind of get to be Chris and I have to be, you know we're kind of creative in that. Like they could be anything, and they, as long as they fit the narrative, because um, we already know what the big bad is is all about, mm-hmm. uh, and we you know I don't want to reveal much about that, but uh, with his minions. Um, they're going to be fun. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. They're definitely going to be uh, a lot of fun because who they are uh, in most cases are people from, from Jason's past. So, oh, hmm. yeah. 
So are they going to be, oh, well, see, now I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, I think I might have said a little too much there myself. I, um, I was going to ask if there are former heroes in this and the bad guys or not, but that might be a spoiling the beans on that. A little bit, that. a little bit. So yeah. <laughs> let's just bypass that part. But um, uh, I would definitely say that, um, you know, through the villains, you'll definitely get to know who Jason is and and some of the heroes. but. You know, okay. you'll definitely get to know who he is. Do we get to see how Jason uh, learned the techniques he does? Um, you know, in, in the uh, Zoop campaign with the mm-hmm. exhibition match, um, maybe a little, but but let's say it's popular enough and we do well enough and we launch into a series at some point and it gets picked up, you know, by Boom or Image or, you know, someone else like that. Um we were definitely going to, to kind of delve into that. That'd probably be in the first arc uh, for sure. Cause we, we want to continue with a lot of these stories. Okay. I, I'm, I'm really interested. Um, are, are there going to be people of color as well involved in all this? Cause see Very that interest. So. Oh, see that interests me so much because I, I, there are several comic series that I really love that are developed by people of color and include people of color in them. And I just, I always find that so much more interesting. So to hear that really encourages me. I'm going to be really anxious to see that. And, and Now, as far as that goes, are you drawing from your own experience or maybe Chris's experience in your real life experiences when you develop these characters? Definitely. In, in a lot of ways, although, um, uh, the main character, Jason Drexler, is is more inspired uh, um, by the actor and martial artist uh, Michael Jai White, who uh, was Spawn, and uh, he actually, you know, is, is a brilliant martial artist. Uh, uh, very humble, but he's he's truly an incredible. Um, you know, <laughs> martial artist. Period, mm-hmm. uh, and person. You know, he's a, a genuine person. He's very humble. Uh, very matter of fact, and 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 very, um, he knows himself, and he's he's, you know, you can really feel that energy in his interviews, mm-hmm. uh, and on screen. Uh, so, um, and I, you know, I follow him on Instagram. I'd follow his career bef- a long time ago, um, but uh, he was definitely an inspiration uh, for the character. And but we're also going to be pulling from our own, like we already started. Uh, Chris and I pulling from our own experiences and our own likes, uh, some of our favorite uh, people in entertainment. Um, you know, I think like Agent Boson is kind of at least physically inspired by uh, Jay Burchell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we have that going and some of the, you know, the characters we have kind of coming up uh, and then the backstories, the backstories are where we're going to draw a lot. Uh, from our own experience from as well. Hmm. See, that fascinates me because I, I, I hate to say it, but, and, and, but it's true is that I learn a lot when I, I run into comics like this because, and that's why I always like to ask that question, you know, are you, are you weaving your own life experiences in there? Because as a, as somebody who comes from a different life experience, for me, I always find that really educational and, and inspiring to, to see other uh, areas of life and people's other lives coming and being and, and being presented to me in, in an interesting way. And so to me, I'm just, I'm going to be fascinated to see 
you know, what kind of things you choose and, and what you draw from, because I think it's going to be, uh, I, I really am interested to see. <laughs> I, I don't want to spoil things. I'm, I'm kind well, of dancing yeah. <laughs> around the subject, but I'm going to be, you know, part of me wants to say, well, what, did, what parts of your life did you I do? know. Well, you know, there's, there's, um, uh, I'll, I'll say certain things like, um, well, because Jason's journey is mostly of one, you know, I, I can't, I can say this, I can't get into details, but basically what he is, is someone who gives back by touching others um, with his abilities to bring out the best. I mean, he's a coach, hmm. you know, he's a trainer and usually the greatest skill a trainer can see is the potential in another person. And that's, and their job as that coach is to bring out the very best to, to bring that potential into actuality. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, so, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be any in the martial arts world. It, it could be uh, something else. Like, you know, Jason could, could see someone um, working on a car. Let's say he goes to get his car fixed mm -hmm. and, uh, He's, he's checking out the mechanic and, and he's doing all these different things. And one of his you know, abilities is really to see this person for who they are. And he could tell you, you know, you're a brilliant mechanic, but I think you'd probably be an excellent chef based on the way your hands move and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the mechanic would say, oh, my God, I, I always wanted to be a chef, but it didn't work out. And I ended up fixing cars. Hmm. He's, hmm. he's that type. That's kind of an innate skill he has. Hmm. So what's a skill rather than a power? Let you all, it, it might borderline on both. It depends on the way you read it. Hmm. Interesting. Now, uh, as far as the visuals go, uh, is, is Jason, and, and maybe because I'm just ignorant of the subject matter that you're drawn from, is he based on somebody in real life or is, is he, uh, did the artist come up with that separately? How did you, how did that come to be? Well, yeah, it was, it was kind of like I was, um, I was touching on earlier just a little bit about, um, uh, the actor, martial artist, Michael Jai White, he's, he's right. based off him. So some of his features are a lot like Michael's. Mm -hmm. Um, some of them are like, uh, people I know, like when I was younger, you know, I did martial arts myself and there was, uh, a sensei I had mm -hmm. and he, uh, is a sensei Stewart and, and it was, uh, eyes of the hawk karate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he had this gray streak <laughs> in his hair. It always looked cool to me. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, he's another person I thought about. But uh, yeah, I mean, so it's it's kind of like he's, he's a combo. But you know, I think he favors Michael probably a little bit more. Uh, okay. It depends on how I draw him. Okay. Now the question, of course, I got too is when I see him on like on the covers and in the artwork and stuff. He's not wearing a costume. He's, no. <laughs> he's basically a, a, a regular guy. Is he going to wear the coach outfit or is he going to – I'll see you in here. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to spoil stuff and I don't necessarily want to. <laughs> no, no, the, no. I, I Feel free to ask me anything. Well, the, because like I see on the covers, he's wearing the, the jacket that says coach on it. Yeah. It, when he gets into trying to rescue the heroes – is he going to continue to look like that or is he going to look differently? Um, he's going to wear exactly what's comfortable for him. <laughs> so it's going to be like a utility outfit, something that, that helps him in what he's doing. Yeah. So, you know, 
Uh, but I was thinking kind of the things in life isn't, isn't the clothes we wear when we go to a corporate office and we're sitting at a desk and we put in our suit, that's a costume. That's a costume mm-hmm. for that job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, the, our police, mm-hmm. you know, we call it a uniform, you know, is it a uniform or is it a costume? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I always think that it'd be better to wear something that was more helpful than, uh, attention grabbing. Exactly. So Jason is, he doesn't care for the, the, the theatrics of the superhero world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he definitely has a certain feeling, which is the reason why he would never go out into the field just to do any superheroing on his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, not, not even on his own, just, you know, in general. I mean, he feels like he can do more um, good on the streets of his neighborhood by maybe, you know, uh, handing cash to uh, a mother who needs help taking care of her baby or um, uh, quietly and discreetly uh, stopping a robbery at his local, you know, uh, uh, market. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he does small things or teaching a class of kids who would otherwise not have anything else to do but get in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. he's he's a hero in that regard. Mm-hmm. At least in his day to day life, mm-hmm. but when you're when you're forced to put these extraordinary abilities on display, to because um, that's really what he's doing. He's mm-hmm. he prefers to be low key mm-hmm. and not show people the world. We have more than enough superheroes. He, you don't need mm-hmm. one more. Mm-hmm. And he feels like in in a way. Uh, and Chris and I talk about this. His ideology is, you know. There, there's enough of them out there and they're helping people, I guess, <laughs> in his own way. He, does he agree with the things they do? Not usually, you know, mm-hmm. not typically. But if he trains them to be safe, to worry about others and, and to be more in control of what they're capable of, then there will be less collateral damage. Mm-hmm. So, Did you know, I've been, I've been watching the uh, uh, America's Got Talent. And they've got a martial arts group. And they're always, even though they go around and doing like kicking of boards and stuff like that, they're always kind of trying to say that there are more important things than victory. Yes. And I thought that, that you know, that makes me think of what you're talking about here is that maybe he's not, he's not necessarily into it to win, but he's into it to accomplish a goal. Right. And it's all about the goal, mm-hmm. you know, because there's different types of winning. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting because, you know, I'm, I'm so used to superhero comics where winning is everything. Yeah. You know, and so it's nice to see a, a, a story that, that's not going to be quite that focused on that. It'd be nice to see because there's a lot of things that we can accomplish without beating somebody into submission. And that's exactly it. I mean, and he would prefer not to do it. He's already done it. You know, he was mm-hmm. a, a master of so many different uh, martial arts by the time he was 25. Because he mm-hmm. just has a natural talent for that. Mm-hmm. And then you get to a point where it's you you realize, and that's what separates true masters. It's like, I don't have to go around. Like, once you've beaten everybody, what do you do? Is your mm-hmm. Does your life become empty? Or when you know, just by looking at an opponent, this is not much of a challenge. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Do you, um, mm-hmm. is your life now over? Or do you find new purpose, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to use all of that? Uh, um, in a different way. 
What you're saying brings up another question, and I don't know whether it's probably something that will be revealed in the book, but how old is Jason? He's he's early to mid-50s. Okay. So he is he's experienced a lot in his life. Oh, yes. He definitely has. He's probably been around the world several times over, Um, you know, met a ton of people, and that's going to be another fun part of the book or the series itself. And that's why it's so important to get this one kind of like uh premier introduction primer book out uh, exhibition match, because you'll see a man who's 55 years old, who's been all around the world and has mastered uh, probably about a thousand different martial arts techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by the time he's 25 years old has lived a lot of life and this is a 55 year old man and he's retired. You know, he retired from training uh, heroes, period. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was done. He thought he was done, as we all do. And he's been actually helping to train celebrities. Mm-hmm. You know how you see these celebrity trainers, mm-hmm. you know, and that, so that's what he does. Uh, you know, just kind of like help uh, his family out, you know, mm-hmm. pay some bills and stuff like that. He doesn't want to be a rich man. He just wants to take care of his, you know, his family, his neighborhood and stuff like that. And he can do it in that way without having to beat up a hundred people. <laughs> do you know how different that is from what your standard comic does? Yes. I mean, most comics are based on late teens, early twenties. Uh, you know, the mutants and the X-Men are all that. That's when their powers come to be in that age group. And uh, so many things are based around that. And Batman was supposedly always going to be 33 years old. I remember reading. Oh yeah. Forever. <laughs> and I, the, the thing that gets me is it's not dull after a while. I, I like to read of different people in different stages of life. And you're talking about him in his fifties. Mm-hmm. That's really something new to me. I haven't read a lot of that. You know, I, there was a character in the JSA wildcat was a boxer and yes, I always liked the fact that he was older and yet he was still a boxer with those kind of things. But it sounds to me like he is a much different character than what I've seen before. And that, of course, that gets my attention right away. (laughs) Well, that's what I was hoping because we always see the point of view of, uh, you know, we see these stories where you have, it's the journey of the young man Mm -hmm. who has a teacher, who's someone who is trying to be his, um, his guide, his mentor. But it's really the young man or the young woman's journey. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you start to think, here is this, sometimes the the mentor is grizzled. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're unassuming. Mm -hmm. But they always play a role as, um, you know, a parental figure or the Jiminy Cricket or whatever (laughs) to kind of guide the young person on the path, especially when they stray. Well, you never really see what goes on on the other end because that's why you hit, get stories about a character like Alfred. Mm-hmm. Just think, you know, Bruce has done all of these different things and yet Alfred has endured. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's things now that are coming out about him. I won't say now, but they've kind of been in can for a little bit where he used to work for MI6 or, you know, mm-hmm. all these different backgrounds. And then you're kind of like, oh man, you know, Af- Alfred is kind of a badass. Like Alfred, mm-hmm. Alfred's pretty amazing, you know, and he, mm-hmm. he knows how to stitch wounds and he mm-hmm. can fix the Batmobile and he's, mm-hmm. he's got a wealth of knowledge, mm-hmm. you know? So let's do a story about Alfred when he was young, you know? Well, there's a show called Pennyworth that I actually kind of enjoy that is him as a younger person of course that's going into the stereotype back to the younger person i actually like seeing alfred as an older 
character. I, I, Me too. I like to see when he, when he does things and, you know, <laughs> he can figure out what's going on sometimes faster than Batman can. And I'm always kind of like, that's why he's there. That, yes. <laughs> he's there to kind of help when, when, when Bruce can't figure something out. Then Alfred comes in and said, well, wait a second. What about this? Yep. And Batman is always point like, of view. he's stunned when he can't, when Alfred comes up with something, but that's why he's there. A more mature perspective is, is something, you know, the younger X-Men, you know, they've got Professor X and stuff like that. But, you know, we need to see a more mature perspective. I would much rather see somebody like that, you know, do those kind of things and, and, and make the world a better place rather than punching and kicking all the time. And, and there will be that, Wayne. They'll, he's definitely um, an action-packed, you know, uh, kind of devastating fighter. And he, and he will show that. But he, the thing is, there's a maturity to it. And it's not to say that we don't have, we have a couple of young characters as part of the protagonist. That's the beauty of having an ensemble cast mm -hmm. because you can focus on different stories to appeal to different um, demographic, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so we have those characters, but mm -hmm. these are characters that are living in, in Jason Drexler's world. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so they're, they're all kind of through his lens and, uh, you know, and you'll see that instead of it being the other way around where the young character, it's, you know, they're looking at this old mentor, you know, uh, but it's their story. Now, nah, not here. It's, it's all this, you know, 50 plus year old, this middle-aged guy's story. And he, it's through his lens. That's, that's so much more interesting to me because I've read, <laughs> I don't know how many hundreds of stories through the lens of the X-Men or, or, uh, you know, younger Teen Titans or Batman or any of those kinds of things of younger characters. I'd like somebody who could look at something and say, wait a second, I've seen that before. Yes. You know, that would be something I would really be interested to see that when they say, wait a second. And then maybe a little flashback to show when they saw this and they learn how they, they know how to deal with this. That to me is so much more interesting than people who are stumbling through and, you know, and trying to figure things out. If somebody actually knows a little here and there, I, I just think that would be so much more fun to read. <laughs> oh, yeah, because there, there's something about experience that is undeniable. That's why a character like Yoda has endured. Mm -hmm. you know? now, I've got to ask you a question, though, because uh, when it comes to this book, Chris, is, his role is editor? Editor and co-creator, co-writer. Okay. But so you're a co-writer and artist. Yes. Okay. Now, of course, I always have to ask people, are you more of a writer? Are you a storyteller? Or are you more of an artist? What's the, the part that you enjoy the most? Um, I, the, well, the way that question was, was put to me, I would say storyteller. I enjoy okay. storytelling the most. Mm -hmm. I'm more proficient at, at the art. Um, but I would consider myself more of a, a storyteller. The writing is, um, you know, I'm going to say fairly new in a professional way. Mm -hmm. I've been writing stories and thinking up stuff, uh, you know, my whole life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just, you know, I never sat, sat down and tried to sell it before. Well, that's not true. I, when I was 19, you know, I wrote and drew, uh, a couple of books that we self-published. Um, so I, I haven't not written, I've written before, 
uh, and have published things before. But as far as the upper echelon of, um, of professionals, like for Marvel or DC or whatever, mm-hmm. that's, you know, few and far between. I haven't written anything for those companies. I have, uh, but I have published things that I have written myself um, before. So oh, cool. But I, yeah. That's, that's how I'll answer that. <laughs> okay, because um, I bet moving forward, you'd like to continue this role. Absolutely, Wayne, absolutely. Now, so you, you, you've, uh, you've tasted the, the, the forbidden fruit, and now you've got <laughs> to keep going doing this now, because now, now you're not going to be denied when it comes to doing that. Oh, no. I, you know, I enjoyed uh, the work of someone like Frank Miller, you know, who's, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're the, so with Frank, I want to say Frank, is a writer artist. Mm-hmm. There are there are artist writers, which I think I I fall into. I think mm-hmm. I fall into more of an artist writer where art is first mm-hmm. for me mentally, and then it's the writing part. Uh, but I think Frank, I want to say Frank probably is more of a, a writer artist where the writing part maybe his, is his strongest. But yeah. his art, you know, his his art is unusual yeah but you know he, i think he had a he's used a couple of styles because mm-hmm. think about uh dark knight returns i thought mm-hmm. that art was fantastic mm-hmm. um you know yeah. and and it's an it's also one of those uh books those graphic novels that has endured mm-hmm. well it's like jeff lemire too jeff lemire is is uh, sometimes he does both he writes yes. and draws and so I, I, when I see his name on a book, I particularly like it when he's doing the drawing. Even though I find it a little harder to understand sometimes, I still I get I feel like I get the whole impact when he does it that way. And maybe that's the way with you too. Is that yeah. maybe when you get to do both sides of the, uh, you know, across both sides of the fence, you actually can uh, make the storytelling a little more in depth. I, yeah, I agree. It, it's it turns out to be the story I want to tell versus the story I'm tell I'm helping someone else tell. Mm, okay, because you can always suggest, but of course you don't get the final answer in that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and if you have a great collaborator, then it, it's a work that you got you you both have done together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it feels like you. If it, it feels like one unified voice, but you know it's it's the the uh, creation of, of two voices or four voices or whomever, because let's not exclude the, if there's an anchor, an anchor, there's a colorist and a letterer, mm-hmm. you know, it's all one voice. When you read a comic and it's seamless, mm-hmm. then that's a work of art. If, mm-hmm. if something gets chunky or uh, staggered uh, mm-hmm. in, in some point of reading a comic, mm-hmm. you know, or disjointed, uh, something's off. And, and you want it to be smooth, and you want the reader to have a good time, and you want them to come back for more. And that's how you know you've really done your job, all the jobs. Mm. So this is the first issue. It's got 32 pages. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm sure this is going to be a successful project, and we're going to go on to that. Um, how far are you on creating this 32-page first issue? Well, right now we're pretty busy. Um, we're getting the pages in now. I'm actually in the middle of drawing pages for, so uh, we're getting more and more into it. And and as the campaign goes on, which is really cool, you'll be able to see more pages go up. And um, that's the fun part of bringing the fans into it too, because they can see the process. And people love that process. Mm-hmm. You know, I never got a, you know, I never um, saw just how much until I was on the the other end of it. 
mm-hmm. because I know when I was reading more than I was working on them, mm-hmm. I love that process. You know, you get mm-hmm. a comic and you see the pages in creation and you see the script and you see how it all starts kind of uh, gelling together. That's such a cool thing to see, especially after you enjoyed the finished product. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of a corner man. Yeah, so. You know what? Yes, I definitely am. <laughs> I think it's the best seat in the house. Because, you know, uh, it's so interesting to me because, you know, it, the industry is a very different industry now than when you and I were much younger. Yeah. There are a lot of people who are making comics. And not only DC or Marvel, or even only Image, there are all these different companies all going along and doing stuff. And here you are kind of schooling people and this is how it gets done and done right and i always appreciate that when i see that from somebody somebody who knows how to do it if you can actually share on how you make that happen that is so that's why a lot of time on this podcast i devote to that to trying to get people like you on who can uh, make people understand the process better and, you know, you, you're looking at it from the writer artist, but there are also people I've had on who have talked about the, you know, the printing. How do you get it? That, how, how do you find an artist? How do you this, that, and the other? All these other things are all involved. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of people out there who are making comics. And I'm glad you're the corner man for a <laughs> lot of us and a lot of people out there who are doing it. And you're kind of showing us this is how it, you do it right. Well, that's how I, you know. I couldn't have done this without Chris Robinson because, you know, he was my editor at Marvel for Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur and Marvel Comics Presents. And he also is someone who believes in creators and the process and creating uh, the best work from all parties. So, you know, I could say, I mean, we're, we're both corner men, you know, cause he's definitely been uh, my corner man while I was at Marvel and, you know, um, and now, you know, now he's he's my partner in crime, and you know, I, I absolutely love having him because he brings so much to the table mm-hmm. um, when it comes to not just creation but the direction, mm-hmm. right? There's a certain level of direction because I'll have all these ideas, and he it's almost like um, uh, you know playing cards, mm-hmm. and you know how when you first buy the the deck of cards, they're mm-hmm. all in a specific order. Mm-hmm. And after you play and play and play, they get out of order as things go. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris Robinson is, is as far as I'm concerned, he's the guy that let's say all my deck is completely out of order. And he does like this almost magician trick. And now they're back exactly in the same order as they were in the package. And now it makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it all makes total sense. And I'm like, okay, that's exactly what I was trying to say. Oh wait, no, it's actually better than what I was trying to say. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's that kind of stuff that that we enjoy. See, that that's so amazing and so wonderful because I've helped uh, some folks put together indie comics, and it's an interesting thing. I, I've kind of been a, a person to be bounced off of. Uh, the 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 person that was working on a comic, he got me a page, and he said, "Is this funny?" <laughs> and I got to the end of the page, and I said, "You know, it could be funnier." And he went back and rewrote it and made it much funnier. And I thought that that's he did, the, the book that I've been helping him with and other books and stuff like that. They, I like it when people don't tell me the story. Let me read them as they come along so I get like kind of a, a reader's experience. Mm, yes. And so for me, I like that. And I always tell them, don't, don't, don't tell me. 
<laughs> don't this is why I'm, I'm even now like talking to you i'm worried about spoilers and stuff like that because i want i want people to enjoy the experience of reading the comic like i'm looking forward to it i, I i'm really excited about seeing this book more and more when and, i'm the same way i i want to read it and if i can interpret it the way you meant for it to be interpreted then you and i both have a win-win <laughs> Now, a couple of things we need to make sure we get in there is that uh, this uh, uh, project from zoop.gg slash c slash corner man is going to end on sep- September the 29th. Yes. And that's the important thing. But don't wait till then. That's not the thing to do. <laughs> do it now. Uh, Please get- don't. We're trying to hit that number. <laughs> Because, you know, anybody who does crowdfunding knows that there's like the daily heart attack where you refresh the screen and the number (laughs) is the same. And you go, oh, no, no one's ever going to support this again. It's ruined. But, you know, there's a lot of people who wait till the end and I never understand that. I want to get in on the beginning because there's a lot of good stuff. Like like you offered a bunch of really good things right at the beginning, and I tried to, I got in on that. And so for me, I, I if you're listening to this and you still got a couple of weeks, don't sit back and go, ah, I got plenty of time. Now is the time to get on and support this. Go to zoop.gg slash c slash cornerman and get on there and support. And there's a lot of wonderful things. In fact, let's talk about a thing or two real quickly because I think there's a, a couple of really wonderful uh, there's some, by the way, that are gone. There was early. Oh yeah, birds, they're already gone. The forty dollar early bird special bundle's gone. The four hundred dollar Star Wars Doctor Afra number six page eighteen original art has gone. But there are a lot of wonderful things still to be had, and, that, and including the book, you can get a, a, a blank sketch cover. You can get the uh, let's see the cover A, cover B. I like the cover A myself, but the, oh okay. Cover That's B good. is it's good today. Uh, do you have a preference? Because you did both of those, right? I did, I did. And then we have a Michael Shelfer cover, yeah. which I think is great too. Yeah, well, they're all great, but I like the I like the the A. Uh, of course, you're trying to do something different, but uh, I think that looks that really communicates. So what, do, what do you like about that one? It communicates something to me. I mean, in the second, in the B, which I like. He's kind of on it. He's like kneeling in front of some uh, hardware, or something that yeah. I don't don't understand what it is yet. I'm sure when you read the book, we will. But on the other one, he's kind of showing an action uh, pose, and as such, and the look in his eyes and stuff, a little close up. I like that. I think that says to me something is going to happen, and pay attention because it's going to be good. Well, that's good. Yeah, because um, I, you know. I did cover A first. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, that's not true. I did cover. I started cover B uh, mm-hmm. long before A, and I, mm-hmm. and I wanted to get something done and up pretty quick. Uh, you know, as you can see, B is a little bit more complicated mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. But A, it kind of gets the point across a little bit more mm-hmm. as far as with who he is. But B mm-hmm. gives you more background because what's in front of him. Are uh, superhero paraphernalia? Mm. Okay, really interesting. See the A's, got the eyes just pop right out at me. 
Oh yeah, they're he's looking right at you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then and the, and there's a fist coming right at me. Now the first thing my head says is, "Look out, <laughs> pay attention." So I really right. like that. You know, so that's really good. I mean, I don't think I'd ever be able to duck in time, but it's just a great action-oriented cover that I really, really like. And so I, the other ones are great. I mean, don't get me wrong; they're they're interesting, but I like a. It's interesting because. Uh, I do like a little action in the story. I don't mind when there's dialogue involved, when it propels the story forward. But I like sometimes when when things are are happening and I want to look at it. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes I hate to say it. There are certain writers who love verbosity. And there <laughs> are there are some pages. I turn the page and I look and I go, there's this gray blob looking at me full of text, 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 text. And I'm going, I wonder if I could skip this page and maybe something will tell me later on was on all this text. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I, I hate to yeah. do that. I know they spat, sat and wrote all that stuff, but sometimes I just think that I, I, I can probably pick things up out of the action instead. But uh, I, I, I don't think you're going to do those kinds of things. I have a feeling... As an that artist writer business is going to try to propel things visually as much as possible, so which I like. We're going to do the best we can. I think you know with with the combination of Chris and I working on it, um, there's we're going to have enough dialogue, good dialogue and information going on, but we definitely plan to hit you over the head with some uh, bombastic action. Oh, good, that'll be fun. Uh, one th- couple other things we need to make sure I make sure I mentioned that this project will be successful if you get eighty five hundred dollars. Yes, that's important to to point out. We need to get there. We're not there yet, obviously. That's why we're talking about doing it now. And again, I say get out there and, and support now. I don't think <laughs> we can say that enough because I, there's just too many people I know who like to sit on the sidelines and say, "Well, let's see if they really need me." And I'm going like. <laughs> They need you. I can tell you that right now. Get out yeah. there and do that stuff. So and and you need this. I mean, it, it is yeah. a, a different type of character here. Yeah, a different kind of story. That that's, yeah. the whole thing to me is just it's like nothing I've read before, and that always gets my attention. So I really like that. Um, as far as like the, getting the book, you said you're in the process of working in the show, the pages. Uh, yes. As we talked, September 29th being the the, the deadline to to raise the money. Uh, is by then, do you think you'll have the book done or do you think that, that most of the book will be done or how will you be by that point? Well, you'll definitely see at least uh, the first five pages up. Mm, I, I dare I say, I don't want to put a date on it, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it'll, it'll be before the deadline for sure. And then okay. we, we can always, the beauty of Zoop is that we can always update as we go. So even when the campaign's over, mm-hmm. you get to see more and more. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, this, it's so exciting. I'm so interested as to the the Corner Man universe. I'm just going to be so at a Corner Man verse or whatever you want to call it. The kinds of things that you guys are creating, I'm just dying to, to dive into and really enjoy. So it's going to be great. So be sure, don't wait until the 29th of this month. Be sure to get out there and support this now. Again, I want to point out zoop.gg slash c slash Corner Man. And I'm really looking forward. Are there other projects? I'm sure this is going to keep you guys busy for a while. But uh, as far as other things, Ray, are there other things that you got on your table as well? I do. Um, I'm working on uh, Luke Cage's uh, City on Fire. Mm. 
with uh, writer Hoche Anderson. And mm-hmm. um, what else am I doing? Um, I'm still uh, doing Star Wars covers. Mm-hmm. So, and that's also available on Zoop, as you, you had pointed out before. You know, there's original artwork there mm-hmm. um, that people can, can snag. Um, mm-hmm. Because I didn't plan on, I had a buyer. And I had a certain amount of pages that I was going to give the buyer who had already spoken for a lot of the Star Wars pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I took these specifically uh, for the Zoop campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that that's a, a big one right there. Um, but yeah, so Luke Cage, uh, some Star Wars stuff. Uh, there's some other things uh, on the pipeline, uh, Wayne, that are brewing that will probably come to light in the next uh, I would say a couple months or so. Creator owned or, or uh, no? I mean, it's it's Marvel uh, work okay. for hire stuff. Okay, yeah. There's you could do worse than Marvel. I could. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure that's going to be great. It's going to be good to see all these things are going to be great. Your artwork really just like I said, those eyes are still looking at me. You know, and all I can he's say trying is to I, teach you how to throw a punch, Wayne. Well, not only like that, he's saying get in there and start and and so I've already supported it. <laughs> you know, he's, he's still going to keep staring at me until I up my 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 pledge and stuff. So it's just <laughs> wonderful stuff, and I I just think Ray that this is going to be one of those books that's going to be great fun. I, I hope it finds a home real quick, and I hope I, it'd be fun if this would come out. Well, of course, you got those other things going on. Uh, well, we you, we have a plan. It should show the the time span of when it's supposed to come out. I want to say it's uh, like November. Okay. Yeah, I think the book will be done and, and ready to go and, and getting out, I want to say, in November. Okay, good. Just in time for the holidays. Yeah. Good timing. That, that's a good – anything that comes out just before the holidays, I, I think, is a wise move. Don't do it in January, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. I, I always see these holiday books that come late, and they come in January, and then I have a Santa Claus book in January. And I always go, you know, that was not a good idea to do that. Nobody wants Santa Claus in January. So. No, they, we're done with Santa <laughs> by then. That's right. That's right. But we won't be done with Corner Man, hopefully. We'll have lots of good things to to watch. And I just tell you, Ray, that uh, I really am excited about this book. I want to see this. I can't wait for it to come out. I'm, oh, man, it's going to be lots of fun to read. And I just Wayne, we need about 300 more people just like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all, I know they're out there. We just got to get them to, to get in there and start signing Get sign in and go to Zoop and, and .gg and get this thing supported because we need more variety in our reading, like I, as I'm always saying. And this is one of those ways to accomplish that purpose. So, Ray, it's just great talking with you. And, man, I cannot wait for Corner Man to hit my uh, uh, my, my mailbox, my, in, my email box, all kinds of ways to get to read this book. I'm just dying to see it. It looks like a great book. Oh, thank you so, so much. And, you know, Chris and I are just like ready to give it to you. We're super excited about this. I, you know, I, I told Chris that, um, wouldn't it be nice in 2022 if, if we're starting the series, <laughs> you know, uh, the year uh, that of would be, be really great. Oh yeah. That I love that. I mean, if that'd we just, great. you know, that'd be fantastic, but we need this first one to go. We need the, right. we need the funding. It's right again. It's zoop.gg slash c slash corner. Man, I, I know people get say, you say it too many times. No, I don't. We got to go. <laughs> there might be that one person out there who hasn't done it yet and hears it, finally says, okay, I'm going to go do it. Yeah. So be sure to get out there and support it. There, Ray, you're doing wonderful stuff. I cannot wait for this to hit. It's going to be great fun to read. 
Thank you. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. It's always a pleasure to talk with Braden Cox from Reclaiming Godhood, among other great things. And uh, right now, Braden, you've got a Kickstarter going on for a book called Sever One. And how's it, how's it going for you? Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good so far. We're about, I want to say, a third of the way yep. uh, right now. So, yep. And it's only been active for two days, so we're we're doing well good you know, yeah a lot course, better than i thought we would be doing <laughs> yeah we're recording this a little in advance too so just so people know let's let's get the specifics out of the way some people always get mad at me because i don't say this soon enough um the project will be funding if it reads its goal of fifteen hundred dollars on september sorry saturday october 2 at 504 in the morning which is an interesting time to to wrap up but uh while, we're, while i'm doing the reading let me read the what the book is about just to, to let people know it's called sever one a romance horror story featuring a power hungry necromancer cult and a group of misfit friends that started a metal band and this is one of three right this is the first one yeah so it will be a three-part miniseries uh this is the first one and there will be two more afterwards Okay. And as we said, this ends in early October. Don't wait until early October, however, to pledge. Get in there and support it. I've already supported it. And I'm really looking forward to see this because your books are always interesting. Now, this is a, a very different direction from some of your previous books. So this is because, <laughs> you know, God, we're claiming Godhood had a lot to do with God figures. And now we're on the other end of the spectrum. So how come you went this different direction with this book? So it's not, I just wanted to try something new. Like I've been doing mythology books for so long now, and I kind of wanted to leave my comfort zone. And I thought this, I kind of came up with this story and I played with it a little bit more. And I ended up kind of basing it off of a lot of my high school experiences. And like, I put on a lot of, I put a lot of more heart into this book than I feel then, you know, the action that I put into reclaiming godhood. So this book is I, and this book turned out really great. I'm really proud of how this book is turning out. And it definitely is the opposite of reclaiming godhood. Whereas like 
Proclaiming Godhood is a lot more action. It's a lot more fast-paced. Uh, Sever is very more horror-inspired and uh, rom- romance-based. Because mm-hmm. if you watch the video, which I did, I watched a little bit, and that's how I learned a little bit of stuff about the, the series. Is it talks about the fact that there's LBGTQ plus. I, I'm always convinced I'm leaving stuff out when I say that that uh, particular thing. There's that involved with it. Um, uh, looks like the cover is colored, but the inside is black and white, which is another interesting choice. Uh, yeah, so uh, I kind of sticking kind of true to like the horror. I kind of thought it would be cool to do black and white. Mm-hmm. However, if we do meet our goal, one of the stretch goals will be to bring the book into color. Mm. Okay, pretty cool. Because you know, a lot of times it's the 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 cost of color that that is prohibitive. That's, that's exactly what it is. You know, a lot of it is color can be really expensive on top of paying for like everything else. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, so I'm tr- gonna keep color. I'm going to keep the option open and maybe do what I did with Proclaiming Godhood 1, where, you know, I ended up reprinting it and getting it colored and then reprinted it in color, where originally it was just black and white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, And it's going to be kind of interesting because uh, uh, that that is always a, 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 a thing to be considered, how it's going to be presented and, you know, that versus your budget has a lot to do with how a book is going to appear. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of interesting to see how this is all going to turn out. Now, this has to do with a, a, a misfit friends who started a metal band. Are you a metal band fan? Yes. Actually, uh, like I said earlier, uh, this is based off of a lot of my high school experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually was in a metal band in high school with a bunch of friends, and the, I pay a lot of homage to it. Like uh, mm-hmm. when we used to jam back in the day uh, – mm-hmm. We used to play at my friend in my friend Roger's garage, and we put a sign in there and duct, duct tape calling it the Beat Lab. And mm-hmm. I put the Beat Lab in this book, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's a lot of it's a lot of homage to like a lot of me, you know, playing in metal, being part of the you know the communities of the Alphabet Crew and everything. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating. I, I don't think people really realize when you're going through high school how formative a time of your life that is. You know, Bob, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was set in high school, and, and a lot of people I know would relate to different characters. And, and you talked about the fact that you played. What did you play? Uh, so I played a little bit of bass. I, I pl- No, a little bit of guitar, but in the metal band I played bass. Okay. The first right. the first song I fully learned how to play was Iron Tusk by Mastodon. Okay. And let's see the, the, that's uh, a lot of this is it's autobiographical biographical uh, is one of the characters based on you in particular or so a lot you know, of the characters are uh-huh. I I didn't base one on me. A lot of them are based off of a lot of my friends and mm-hmm. I did deal with a lot of similar situations that are presented into this book. Mm -hmm. And one of the, like, uh, as you know, as you watch the video, it explains about the characters. There's Mm -hmm. ellipsis or Chloe Williams, but she goes by ellipsis because that's going to be her stage name for when she becomes, you know, big and famous. And she's the guitarist and she's 
really protective of her for, over her friends. And there's Alicia Cho, who is kind of like a nerdy girl who plays metal music to unwind. And then there's the rich kid and the bully of the school, uh, Katie Horde, who uh, has a social status to uphold. Mm-hmm. And so she can't be seen with her non-rich friends. So she plays in this band in secret with her real friends. And I actually dealt with that in high school. I had a friend like that who (laughs) was too embarrassed to be seen with us inside of school because Mm -hmm. of their social status. Mm -hmm. But he, but they would hang out with us outside of school. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. You know, the reason I asked that question is because uh, one of the very first interviews I ever did was with uh, David Peterson from Mouseguard. And I asked him, I said, what are the characters? Are they, who are they based on? Are they like King Arthur's round table? And he said, no, they're my friends. And so you're, you're following a, a good tradition here, a, a one that, that is successful to bring in real people. Because when you know the people, you'll know how they respond. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people will base characters also off of people they know is because they already know they know that person well enough and they know, you know, how a character is going to react in a situation because they've known their friends for so long or their family. Mm-hmm. So that'll be good. That's, that's interesting because I bet some of your friends will recognize certain things. <laughs> that go on in certain people and situations that go on because of, uh, of high school. Uh, if they went that through that with you, the rest of us are all kind of uh, looking at it from the outside, but uh, it's pretty interesting to see because uh, uh, now you mentioned ellipsis is one of them that, uh, and you mentioned a couple of the others. Uh, are, there's a principal involved. There's just a couple other characters. Do you want to kind of go down the other characters in the book? Yeah. So uh, we have, those are the main core bandmates. And then uh, Ellipsis's girlfriend, Marilyn Penhurst, she appears uh, three years after just she just appears. And uh, after she's been declared dead in a car accident, you know, they never found her body, mm-hmm. but she was declared dead because they found the dead bodies of her parents. And they and then she just shows up and she has kind of like a secret agenda that she's not letting anyone know. And she's looking for this necromancer cult. And uh, that'll bring me to the next character, which is the stag. And he's the leader of the necromancer cult. And he's been trying to use his power to reincarnate the first necromancer. Mm. And he's been trying to use Marilyn's body to do that. Mm, okay okay now of course this is where you're getting off into the supernatural stuff this didn't actually happen in your high school right no definitely not (laughs) okay (laughs) because if you you said it did i'd be a little astonished so that'll (laughs) be really in high school because like i said high school is this strange experience for so many of us you know it's where we suddenly are exposed basically to the real world and there's all kinds of things happening to us you know, we're, we're, we're becoming adults, uh, uh, we're interacting with people, we're beginning to recognize, you talked about social status, we're beginning to recognize where we're going to fit when when we're unleashed on the world where we're likely to be <laughs> as far as social status goes. And stuff. so that high school is that very unique place 
So it, it's I'm always interested in that coming of age kind of stuff, and it's really interesting to see. You know, I I, I love the characters who don't want to be seen with the others. That I, I like you said, I knew people who were that way. They wanted to hang out with people, but they didn't do it because they didn't want their social status affected. But but they would do if nobody was around, they would interact with other people, but uh, not all the time. So I, that's kind of an interesting thing. I, I get a kick out of it too. I, I need to ask you too because the artwork in this one is has a lot more anime influence than some of your other stuff in the past. Uh, was that intentional? Uh, so, yes, it was. Uh, originally, one of my friends was going to work on the book, but she ended up becoming too busy. She actually did a lot of the original artwork and character samplers for, you know, character designs for the book, and she just got too busy to work on it. But I ended up finding uh, the artist who did the book, Tim uh, Sparvero, I'm sorry, Tim, if I butchered your last name. <laughs> and uh, he's in one of the comic book groups on Facebook I'm in. And he usually does more lewd stuff. Mm-hmm. And and even though that doesn't bother me at all, I really liked his art style. And I asked him, I was like, hey, you know, I have this book. It's not something that, you know, you usually work on. But I really like your art style. And I just feel that the art style kind of mashes with the aesthetic a bit better, you know, like the whole, you know, coming of age in high school, you know, because you see a lot of uh, mangas and animes that are really close to that too, you know, so, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, and uh, the manga art style is actually really popular for the demographic I'm trying to go for. So I'm hoping to kind of open the doors a bit more with this book, you know, Mm -hmm. So you're after a younger demographic. Yeah, uh, so I'm hoping to shoot between, like, get in between, like, the teens and the young adults, you know? Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. well, let me tell you something. Uh, younger reader stuff is just going crazy. I mean, like, you know, if you get to the really young, what they call you, uh, uh, well, you know, all ages, and some people mean that, mean, that it means you're being talked down to. But honest to goodness, if you go like into Target or other stores, you'll see lots and lots of aisles with uh, all ages or young readers stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And I think the age group you're after, too, is another burgeoning group. I think uh, comics for a long time abandoned those people and went for the older readers because those are the people who tend to buy the books these days. But I think what's happening is is comics are kind of becoming popular with them again. Yeah, so uh, what's ha- what a lot of the I did a lot of research into that too, and what I've learned is that a lot of the problems is is that you have all these people who have been writing books for so long, you know, and the market just kind of took over, and like everyone's talking about how comics are dead, and <clears throat> you'll never like comics aren't you know doing well, and the reason being is because all these young readers who don't want to read about all these hyper extended macho men or over sexualized women, you know, they're, they're switching to manga, which mm-hmm. does have some of that stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, they're also switching to webcomic platforms because mm-hmm. a lot of it is, you know, like Marvel and DC. It's like, it's like, well, I want to get into reading Spider-Man. Where do I start? And you don't have, or Batman, 
You know, it's like, and you don't have like a official starting point because <laughs> American comics are weird and you have to read from <laughs> this arc to this arc or this arc to this arc. And you can't like, and there's not like just a, and like in manga, it's different. Like, it's like, where do I start? It's like, you get volume one, book mm-hmm. one, that's where you start. And then you go in order. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like, if you ever watched like a Spider-Man cartoon, here's chapter 65 of 123. And I, I remember looking at that and going like, what? How right. am I ever going to understand that? <laughs> and it's just easier. And then it's the same with webcomics because you can go to webcomics and be like, oh, I'm going to start page one mm-hmm. or episode one is what they call them. And mm-hmm. you can just start from there. Mm-hmm. American comics are just, they're just so weird. It's like, and it's, it's mainly the Marvel and DC stuff, I believe. Cause like, mm-hmm. I don't think Hellboy is like that. Because like you can start from volume one of Hellboy and go in order, mm-hmm. and then, or and a lot of Image comics are like that. Like you can, you don't, you can start with issue one and read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't have to decode the weird, <laughs> the the code talking of you know, yeah, the modern comic world. Well, you know, it's like. Uh, for example, right now, DC is doing a whole bunch of 80th anniversary stories. And, you know, if, if a character has been around for 80 years, you know, how do you drop in the middle of a story with characters? Yeah. Like that? So, you know, I just got the Aquaman one, uh, and I started to read it and, you know, they were doing, the covers were from all different decades. There was Aquaman, even back in the 1940s, there was Aquaman. And so I've been reading some of the stories and it's kind of an interesting, for me, it's an interesting thing to get a historical perspective. But if you're somebody else who, let's say, you know, you you haven't heard much of Aquaman and suddenly you get dropped in the middle of this, this whole story, how in the world do you know what's going on? I just, I, I don't know. Because honestly, Arthur Curry is the king of Atlantis and he's not. He's married to Mira and he's not. He's got a son and he doesn't. And, right. you know, it just depends on what story you, you're dropping into to, to figure out what in the heck is going on with him. So I think you're doing a smart thing. Let's start somewhere and, and begin. So, But on the other hand, I have to disagree with you on one place. There's a show called The Last Airbender. And I have yet to see that first episode. And so since I haven't seen the first episode, I'm kind of, I, I haven't been watching that whenever it comes on or whenever I have some friends that want to watch it and I go, well, I haven't seen the first episode. I don't know what's going on. And so I'm tempted sometime just to buy the DVDs and watch that first episode. Oh, I would recommend it. They're, they're really good. (laughs) Cause they, they, they had, then they had the girl that followed. What was, I can't remember how that was, what that was called. The legend of Korra. I believe. Yeah, that's the ones. And so all those things have kind of been away from me because of just like with the comics, I, I, I can't, I haven't seen that first episode. And so until I see right. that, I'm kind of saying I'm not going to get, I don't want to drop into something I don't understand what's going on. So that's what I'm going to do with that. But you don't have that problem, thankfully. You're starting right from the beginning. You're introducing the characters and even the ones that have a history, you're explaining the history. So people don't have to be afraid of, of looking in and saying, oh, no, I won't understand everything. Right. So I like that about that. Now, I, I've got to talk about, hands because one of the things that this book does a lot are disembodied hands 
walking around, shake people shaking hands and like the old Joker gag, pulling it off. Mm-hmm. And even in the uh, uh, the logo for the book has a green hand doing the V in sever, mm-hmm. which I get a kick out of. So uh, dismembered hands have a lot to do with what's going on. Now, I, I say that, and the truth of the matter is, is that we don't see that as much as I'm making it sound like it. There are parts in which there are hands that play a role to it, but it's not as much as I, I, I'm sure I'm exaggerating that too much, but I just find it interesting because I always like way back in the Adams family, they would have it was a, a disembodied hand. Mm-hmm. And I always got a kick out of that. Was, was it in any way like an inspiration for that? Or was that well, like something- a lot of the inspiration from it actually is from like, like the evil dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I draw a lot of my influence from Sam Raimi in this because, mm-hmm. like, and if you see, like, if you guys look at the Kickstarter covers, I have a an Evil Dead homage uh, Kickstarter exclusive cover you can get, mm-hmm. and that's where you know, like, a lot of that comes from Evil Dead and just like you know when Bruce Campbell had to chop off his hand and it was running around and he had to fight it and it was just, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was There's just. A lot. Yeah, that's where a lot of it honestly comes from. <laughs> okay, the but, Evil you know. Dead, it's one of my biggest influences. And yeah, there are a lot of uh, disembodied hands. And the reason being is... Uh, so Marilyn, the character who was... Um, she's She has a little bit of necromancer powers, but she's not mm-hmm. powerful enough to raise dead mm-hmm. the dead. So she can only reanimate like small things so she just kind of take reanimate zombie hands Mm -hmm. Mm. now of course that leads me to ask another question when the group sings and they they, you have like a rehearsal going on um is that an actual song or is that uh a made-up song we don't have uh, music to it yet so Uh, it was actually one of the old songs i wrote in high school with friends and uh the i kind of thought it would be a cool little narrative bit to do you know like to give people an image of where it's like where it's almost like you know like in a movie where it cuts to a song during like a very serious part you know and i kind of wanted to give that kind of feel to the book and uh the my edit one of my editors uh chuck pinyo he uh he said that it was a really cool kind of and very different kind of thing he's seen in comics, but he said he really liked it a bit. Hmm. Now, you know, a, a lot of times in comics, I see creators putting playlists that you should be listening to when you read the book. Do you have a playlist to that people should listen to when they're reading this book? Uh, not, not until I can <laughs> re get access to all of my old songs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, are they somewhere else? I mean, are they in storage or something? Where, uh, where are they not, at? Uh, they're somewhere in a digital archive at my friend Rogers. But if oh. there are songs you want to listen to, maybe I can compile something. But like uh, one of my biggest, like this is based off of like heavy metal. And one of my biggest metal influences was Dio. Mm. Dio was, is one and still, you know, rest in peace, but mm-hmm. he is still my favorite metal composer. Mm. And like, uh, I also, in the Kickstarter, we also have a Dio album 
book cover dedication, you know? So mm-hmm. the we have a lot of cool covers, honestly. <laughs> cool. Very good. Because, you know, when I read the lyrics, uh, they'll often rhyme. You know, like this one that says, you think you can hide from me. I have it on good authority. You know where I can find the pedigree. You know, and I'm always kind of I, I I know that there is music supposed to go with it. I just I mm-hmm. the way that it goes. I, I'm just convinced. At some place you've got that. Some it'd be fun if sometime you would do like a, a, a record it and put it out someplace so, so people could listen to it as they read it. We definitely will. Actually, I've already talked to my friend Roger. Uh, I'm still really good friends with him. Even though I don't play, we don't play music together. We're still like really good friends and he's in a metal band and they're actually going to be compiling the songs that are going to be featured in uh, these three books Mm -hmm. and he's going to help compose them. And uh, the metal band's going to have, we'll have three tracks. Hopefully that you people will be able to play because that that narration part I did, Mm -hmm. I want to put it in all three books. Hmm. Like, uh, but it'll be a different song for each book. Mm. Hmm. Okay. So that'd be cool. So you could do like a, a mini disc. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be fun to do. Cause I noticed it, it, during the video, when you're talking, you've got heavy metal in the background and it doesn't phase you to talk over it. <laughs> so you're very comfortable with that. I got a kick out of that when I was watching it. I thought that's kind of, cause you know, if I was doing, I'd have to, turn that down so i can be heard but you're just you you're very comfortably talking right over the, the heavy music <laughs> so i got a kick out of that i thought that was kind of funny now there's another anime thing that i got a kick out of if you've ever read anime books you know that when somebody dies their eyes have x's in place of eyes oh yep and in this book, you got a girl by the name of marion i think it is but she goes by mare which made me think of nightmare Mm-hmm. So, and she has eyes that are X's, but they're not the standard small X. They actually, they're in place of the pupils of the eye. There's an X in each eye, and so I, I was like, oh, that's that's so interesting. That's that's kind of a, a a movement away from some of what the anime does. Was that done intentionally? Was that something you came yeah, up with? So, uh, if you actually also look at ellipsis, she has stars in her eyes. Mm-hmm. So Mm -hmm. this was part of the original uh, design. I wanted the main characters to have something cool, like, you know, different effects in their eyes to show that they were the main characters of the story. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted, it was kind of more of like a little cutesy anime kind of thing that I Mm -hmm. thought would be Mm -hmm. a fun thing to do. And Mm -hmm. so we... The original designs uh, that uh, my friend Camry did, she put stars in Ellipsis's eyes and she put X and X's in Marilyn's. Mm-hmm. And I thought that uh, the new artist was just going to do regular eyes, but he kept the X's and the stars in Ellipsis's eyes, which I was mm-hmm. really happy about. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I thought he was just going to change them back to regular eyes, but he um, didn't. And I really well, some, am. There's some regular eyes that that appear in there and different characters. It just depends. On the circumstance, but I I have to ask ellipsis, which is a you know as a as a grammar Nazi as I am, uh, ellipses and all that stuff. I'm endlessly talking about ellipses with people, uh, you know that an ellipsis. You should have an ellipsis there, and you shouldn't have it there. Kind of 
all the time. So when I see the word ellipses like that, I got a huge kick out of the fact that her stage name is Ellipsis. Is that on par- Why did she choose that name? I just have to ask. <laughs> There's actually a funny story behind that. So Ellipsis is a, uh, even though she plays heavy metal now, she's, she has a very like punk rocker attitude. Mm-hmm. And the reason she calls herself Ellipsis is because uh, it's, she considers it punk to use correct grammar because everyone else is not using it anymore, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, that's funny. I have to, you know, as somebody who spends a lot of time telling people how grammar is supposed to work, that makes me laugh. That is funny because I, you don't know. One of the things that drives me nuts about uh, uh, comic books is that grammar is out the window. It's kind of like, you know, we, we do what we feel like. And, and if you don't feel like it, well, we won't bother. And I always think that that prevents people from reading stories uh, a lot of the times. Because let's face it, you, you run into something that suddenly doesn't make sense. I always tell the, the the example is, you know, let's eat comma grandpa or let's eat grandpa are two different, you know, sentences. And the only difference is a comma. Right. And I always, and my, my roommate got me a shirt that says, uh, you know, punctuation saves lives. And it's based on that, that particular one. And so I get a kick that that has to do with that. Somebody thinks it's rebellious to actually follow the rules of grammar. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, no, so it, and like to touch on that, I did hire two editors for this book mm-hmm. because I wanted to make sure that it was properly done. Mm-hmm. I had a editor go through and uh, uh, Katrina Rowitz went through the first script mm-hmm. and edited everything. And then when uh, Tim, after he drew and lettered everything, I had Chuck go through Chuck actually mainly did it to me as a favor. He was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll go through it for you just because, you know, we're friends. And I was like, oh, if you want to do that, that's perfectly fine. I'd greatly appreciate it. And so he went through and he was like, hey, here's all what's wrong with this. And so hopefully that won't be a big issue in this book because I made sure that we. Yeah, it's much better than many indie comics are. Many indie comics, I I literally come to sentences and I go, what is that supposed to say? What does that mean? And so for me, I really want to have people understand so they don't stop. Because if you hit that roadblock too many times, people just give up and say, well, I'll move on to something else that makes sense. So you've got to be careful of that. But I just, I love that whole <laughs> it's rebellious to follow the rules of grammar. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be thinking about that for the next couple of days for sure. I just find that wonderful. Yeah, That's and a great so thing. yeah, so I, I am hoping that this book will not have that problem because oh no, I, yeah, I hired two editors. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good because uh, uh, the ellipses and stuff the, the, are done right in here and stuff like this. So I, I just get a huge kick out of the various. He's like that. That that is gonna en- enchant me for the next several days. I just know it because that's so funny about that. Now, as far as other things that are going on in the book, because three issues and the, the page you've got what thirty? How many pages of story in each issue? So uh, I'm not sure, uh, but this first book has thirty-seven pages. So it's a pretty big book. 
Mm-hmm. It's almost at a graphic novel length, which is usually about 40 pages, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the second book will probably be at least 37, if not longer. Wow. And same with the third book. So these will be pretty big books. Wow. That's good. So, okay. Uh, let me once again tell people that this is going to conclude if you reach your funding goal of $1,500 by Saturday. October 2 at 5.04 a.m. Eastern Time. So that'll be something good. Now, let's talk a little bit about the pledges. Uh, As I often tell people, I can't always buy the hardcovers that I would love or the paper editions that I would love because my computer hard drive now has more room than my shelf space. Right. So I ordered the uh, hands-free book, it's called, which I got a kick out. I think that's a funny way to do it. And the other one is hands-on physical book, which I like. There's all these hand things. That's why the hands in the book. There's sticky fingers. uh, Get a PDF as well as a physical copy. uh, Grave robbers and three-bit phalange. And I never understand that word. What a phalange. phalange. It's just another – it's the – Scientific name for fingers. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, and then we got Fred Got Fingers. Uh, you can That's join. That's actually next- a reference to. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Marilyn's right hand man is a well, right hand is a hand that she calls Fred. No. Oh. <laughs> and that's actually a movie movie reference to Freddy Got Fingered. It was. It was just. Uh, too funny to not do <laughs> that's great that's great talented phalanges uh severed bits is the the hundred dollar one become a victim uh 200 oh boy you get everything for that one for 200 that's let's see uh some of these we still got open spaces on you know, some of the i want them all you've got three that's already taken that uh two backers that got the fred got fingers one so there, there's room, but you've got some wonderful levels, and I think that that's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> there's still uh, 23 left for the Grave Robber special, mm-hmm. which comes with a pretty good chunk of stuff. Mm-hmm. So Just be sure to read that on the, the, the website. It's going to be good. Again, if you go to Kickstart, uh, kickstarter.com, and if you want to get to this particular one, you go sever one hyphen a metal inspired horror romance. I want to make sure people find it. That's an important thing to do. So that's a good thing. So, okay. So this is going to be going on and you've got them all done as we mentioned already. Yeah. So, so there the w- book, the book, the, so the first book is a hundred percent done. Mm-hmm. You guys, if you guys back and we fund, you will get your book. There's mm-hmm. not going to be any more, any pre production, Delay. You know, post-production after the Kickstarter starts. Okay. Like I, I know I've done that before. Mm-hmm. You know, the Reclaiming Godhood books were all about getting funding to make the book and to ship it out. Mm-hmm. I took the opposite route this time because I got sick of running into problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but Reclaiming Godhood 3, when I uh, had the Kickstarter running, it got delayed by almost six months because mm-hmm. my colorless, my colorist I hired, he only did half the book and mm-hmm. then he ran away with my money and never <sighs> finished it. So Great. it put me so far behind. I actually <sighs> had to refund a lot of people because they were like, we're sick of waiting. Can you give us a refund? And I was like, 
Yes. Mm, like I was right. like, I understand. I was like, mm-hmm. can you at least leave me your email address and I'll give you a free PDF book, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I also sent out to them when I sent out rewards. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, and so from now on, I'm going to be taking this route. I'm going to make sure that the book is a hundred percent done ah. oh, so I, that people will get their books and mm-hmm. people will. I, I love everything. to hear that. Yeah. I'd love to hear that because there are so many people. I mean, there are some Kickstarter campaigns that I have given money to. I have never gotten anything from. And I could name names, but I won't uh, as far as that goes. But uh, to me, I think the best, the safest way to do it is just the way you do it. Have it uh, done before you get going, or at least just as close as you can so that it'll be finished at the right time. So, right. Now, now, you mentioned one of the levels was going to be to get the coloring done. Which level is that? So it's not going to be a level. It's going to be okay. a stretch goal. And gotcha. I haven't gotcha. announced uh, the the money stretch goals yet. Mm-hmm. I've announced backer mm-hmm. stretch goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm not going to unlock. I'm not going to announce the money stretch goals until we hit funding. Gotcha. Okay, that's a so smart idea. As soon idea. as we hit funding, and as soon as we're funded, I will start putting stuff. I will start. Announcing the kick the Kickstarter like beyond stretch goals, and one of them mm. will be to get the book into color. Okay, and of course that'll be a delay because it's not already colored. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. so I kind of plan for that. So okay. I've already talked to a colorist. I already have someone in mind, and they Ooh. will be able to have it done within the month. You know, oh so. I have to congratulate you because there's so many people who do this kind of stuff and they have no idea how they're going to fulfill. And I, and you know, Kickstarter has gotten kind of nasty about that. If you don't fulfill one Kickstarter, they won't let you start another because some people get like three or four Kickstarters in and they still haven't fulfilled. So, boy, I have to congratulate you on that, boy. You're, I, I wish more people thought that way. Yeah. I, well, I've, I've also learned a lot from my last two Kickstarters, you know, from reclaiming mm-hmm. godhood and being, unprepared and being young, you know, mm-hmm. like I've gained a lot of wisdom since the reclaiming Godhood Kickstarter stuff. Well, good. Well, that's hopefully so. Hope that wish there are a lot of people who could <laughs> still learn a lot of stuff that, that you probably already picked up, which is good. Mm-hmm. Now, as always, um, I'm sure you've got other irons in the fire. Are there other projects you're working on that we should be familiar with? Yeah. You know, so uh, there is going to be, I'm going to be pu- pumping out a lot of stuff uh this year i have a five-part mini series that i'm that the first book will be done uh hopefully by october i think Mm. it's called my grandmother is a demon slayer (laughs) okay and it's about this girl named panzer hatchet and she goes by paz because she hates that her dad named her panzer Cause he was a, he was a world war enthusiast and the Panzer right. tank was one of his things. So he's oh, like, yeah. I'm going to name my daughter Panzer. And oh, boy. so she goes by Paz and Man. she is part of this family who has these, that when they become of age, mm-hmm. they like their tradition was they would go kill their first demon when they became of age and you would take a body part of it and fuse with the demon and you would become a demon hunter. Hmm. However, uh, Paz, her mother 
took the opposite route. She wanted to raise her family without having to worry about, you know, demons or anyone trying to kill them. So (sighs) until one day she totally just spaces it. And there's this demon overlord named Azeron who finds the family. And, uh, when Paz comes to, like she, it's, it's her birthday. So it's her coming of age ceremony, but they don't do it because, you know, she's just trying to live a normal. Her mother wants her kids to live normal lives, mm-hmm. and Paz comes down, and the demon. This demon has killed her family, mm-hmm. and she ends up slaying this demon and absorbing it after losing her arm. And then she goes live to live with her grandma, where she learns all about her family's past. Hmm. Okay. Hmm, very good. So that'll be kind of fun. So is that going to be a Kickstarter? Yeah, so it will be Kickstarted. Uh, and it's going to be the same deal as it is with Sever. The book's going to be 100% done. Mm-hmm. You're going to get your books. There will be lots of cool rewards. And uh, I also have a, a, a horror flip book I'm going to be uh, releasing and... It's going to be one of those like flip books where you have it one way and then you can flip it over and read the other book the, the other way. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a, a flip book and it's going to have two horror stories. One is called It Was Nobody, which is about this kid who is being raised in an abusive household and he's already tried to go to CPS to get help, but they are refusing to help him and his parents are drug addicts and mm-hmm. they abuse him. Mm-hmm. And then finally, like when he's about, when he has no place to go or no one to help him, this, this, uh, deity and well, this interdimensional being shows up called, it was called nobody. And he helps the kid deal with his problems. Hmm. Okay, that's kind of interesting because usually those kinds of characters are uh, not helpful. They're antagonists or, or people who go mm-hmm. against them. So it'll be nice to see something a little different like that. That'll be great. Mm-hmm. And so, and I will say that he does help them brutally. So, whoa, okay. There will be a lot of like blood and gore in the book. <laughs> okay, <laughs> something to look forward to. But- Anything else that's going on? Oh yeah, uh, and the other side of that book is going to be Outwash Onslaught, mm-hmm. and it's going to be about it's a story from a slasher's perspective. And what actually happens is that this guy, his name's uh, Tristan. Uh, no, Trevor Howell. His mm-hmm. name's Trevor Howell, and he was a rich guy, and he took these. He uh, tracked down treasure down in uh, out in the sea, and this captain mm-hmm. takes him out there. And when they discover the treasure, the captain kills him with a knife that was in the treasure chest. Mm-hmm. And the knife is actually harboring this demon who has kept Howl alive as he walked the ocean floor trying to get his as. And he ends up back in the town about ten years later. And it takes place in the 80s. So he walked along the ocean floor about 10 years to get back to land. And he uh, comes to get his revenge on the people that did him wrong. Mm. Cool. That'll be interesting. And so uh, when do you figure that Kickstarter is going to hit? 
So I, I'm not sure. Uh, I just half of the book it's in production right now. So mm-hmm. the it was nobody is in production right now, and the mm-hmm. outwash onslaught. I'm currently looking for an artist to take it over. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the last thing I have is Blade of the Undying, which I think we've talked about before. Okay. And it's a it's a dark fantasy uh, based off of all Arthurian lore. And it's takes place uh, during the fall of the round table. And uh, it kind of has like a reverse kind of spin on the, it has a darker spin on the series mm-hmm. where Merlin starts taking up necromancy and he becomes corrupted and he is waging war upon the land with undead hordes and killed the table, the round table. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So that'll be an interesting story. All those good things sound really interesting. Now, if we want to keep up with you on social media, how do we do that? So you can add me regularly on, on Facebook, just Braden Cox. I'll, you know, I'll usually accept friend requests from most people. Uh, you can find me, you can, or you can go to my my comic Facebook page, which is Braydoxian Studios, B R A Y D O X I A N Studios, mm-hmm. and then uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Braydoxy. Hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Well, you know, again, let me point out that for that Kickstarter to be successful. You have to get $1,500 no later than Saturday, October 2, 5.04 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And, of course, you're, you're, you're well on your way to getting that, so I'm very optimistic that we're going to get there and we're going to get to see more of Severin and other good things, too. So uh, I can tell you, Braden, it's always fun to talk with you, and you always come up with some really creative and interesting projects that I think is good for the medium. So I, I just want to tell you to keep going and much success. Thanks, Wayne. Uh, once again, thanks for having me on here for the, what is it, the fourth time now? <laughs> Something like that. I lost track. <laughs> it's always fun, so I never keep track of these things. I don't count them, so very good. And that's it for this episode. Be back next time. I'll have another great interview with an excellent comics creator, something I'm sure you won't want to miss. But until then, keep reading your comics. Joker. Over? Why, my dear delusional dark knight, it hasn't even begun.